0: family, it's good to see you in this afternoon so that we can be more time in the presence of God. How many of you were in the service in the morning? Okay, only a few of you. So the rest of you are here for the evening service, and you've chosen well. It's going to be a great time as well to be in the presence of God. Those that were in the morning, they were also blessed. And now this is the blessing that we also can have with technology. I don't know, Gabby, sorry, can you give me the, the stand please? This is the blessing that we have with technology. So even if you weren't in the morning service, there's a a beautiful service called Spotify that allows you to, even though you break the barriers of time and space, and you're able to listen to what the Lord has spoken to us in the morning as well. So it's exciting and it's wonderful that we we get to do that. And please do go there and very us with the word of God in the morning. So it's also... Uh, really wonderful to continue to dwell and, and serve the Lord together and knowing what the Lord has in store for us. And this is another historical day in Riverside, Lisbon. And you ask yourselves why? Why? Because it's the first sermon series that we have for the evening service. Woo. Wow. So we're to. There you go. I love you excitement. I love when you're with me. You need to be as excited as I am because I'm excited about this. We're going to be dwelling in the book of Daniel. And now there you go, the book of Daniel. A book in the Old Testament, but such a profound, important book of Scripture. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the story of Daniel. Show hands who's familiar with the story okay many of you you're not i'm not going to be speaking about something that you do not know we're going to go through the story of daniel chapter by chapter and really see what are the teachings of daniel that can be applied into our lives and i i promise you it's going to be an exciting ride it's going to be such a good time and as i prepare this week and i was looking into the first chapter of daniel daniel chapter 1 what an immense chapter it is such revelation such powerful things that we need to start applying into our lives. So we're all going to see together where this book is going to lead us, what the Lord is going to speak into our hearts. And I'm quite sure, let me be honest with you. You're all looking at me, okay? You are the right people. God wanted for you to listen to this message. Amen. It's not by chance that you're here. It's not because you were just a little bit sleepy in the morning. So, okay, I'm going to skip the morning. I'm going to go to the evening service. No, it wasn't just that. God planned for you to listen to some of the truths that we're going to speak about the Word of God. The Word of God this evening is for you. For the Lord to accomplish what He wants to speak into your own heart. So, before any ado, let's go into Daniel chapter 1. And let's begin by reading verses 1 and 2. And this is what the Word of God says. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, I'm sorry, I don't think we have anyone that speaks Hebrew, so I'm going to butcher some of these names, okay? That's okay by you? Okay, so let's go with my Portuguese pronunciation of these four names. Okay, during the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoi, king of Judah, and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. I don't know if we're able just from these first verses to understand the depth of what was going on at this time. There were countless tears and suffering Now we cannot even understand just by reading the beginning of these chapters. This is almost like reading the headline of the newspaper, that a city was captured and taken by another empire. But what we fail to understand just by reading blatantly is how many people's lives were impacted and changed for the negative. I, this is not a comfort comfortable scenario. It was an extreme time of hardship, suffering. Co- being conquered at this time was of extreme cruelty. And those who survived that time, because most people would perish when a city was occupied, men women and children would perish, and those who survived would live as strangers in a foreign land. Being the first message in the series, so let me give you a little bit of context. So this one point of history, this was year 587 before Christ. The kingdoms of Israel and Judah were conquered by the Babylonians and their king Nebuchadnezzar. The Bible says Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed. And most people were taken captive by soldiers and carried off to different parts of the Babylonian empire. The Bible goes into detail to say that the temple was sacked. Some of the utensils, some of the things that were in the temple of God, the one true God, were put in a Babylonian temple into a foreign temple. It was a dramatic declaration of the King Nebuchadnezzar to say, my gods are better than your God. The first song that we sang spoke about the the Lion of Judah. And God is describing scripture as the Lion of Judah. God is the Lion of his people. And we look at history and we look at what happened And King Nebuchadnezzar looked at the situation and looked at what happened and he said, what kind of lion do you guys are serving? What kind of God would allow this to happen to you? What kind of God would allow me to conquer you and to destroy you and do all of this? And people would be, be thinking, how is it possible that God allowed this to happen? How could this happen to God's temple, to the people of God? Why wouldn't God protect them? Why didn't God deliver them from Nebuchadnezzar? If you're familiar a little bit with the story of Israel, you want to understand that the people of Israel, they went through many ups and downs. And mainly ups and downs in their faithfulness to God. And Israel had been corrupted once again by idolatry at this point. And the word of God is very clear that saying that ba- Babylon was used by him as an agent of judgment against Israel for their sins of rebellion. And the history of, of the story of Israel is filled with ups and downs, with victories, with, with defeats. And this was by far the biggest defeat that the people of Israel had faced. And it was connected in this case with their unfaithfulness. And I want us to to stop right here and think a little bit about our lives and the things that we go through. So my problems and the things that we go through, our hardships, do they mean that God is disciplining me? It doesn't mean that God is punishing me. And I'm here to say that no, not necessarily. Troubles are part of life. Even when you live with God, even when you obey God, Jesus said in this world, you will have troubles. It's part of just being alive. Things will never go according to how we always wish they would go. So, But in this case, in this specific case, God was very clear on the origin of this problem, of this this situation. Jeremiah chapter 35 says the following, But I have spoken to you again and again, Yet you have not obeyed me. Again and again I sent all my servants, the prophets, to you. They said, each of you must turn from your wicked ways and reform your actions. Do not follow other gods to serve them. Then you will live in the land I have given to you and your ancestors. But you have not paid attention or listened to me. Therefore, this is what the Lord God Almighty, the God of Israel, says, Listen, I am going to bring on Judah and on everyone living in Jerusalem every disaster I pronounced against them. I spoke to them, but they do not listen. I called to them, but they did not answer. One of the songs, the song that we just sang, shows us and tells that God is jealous for us. This is the complete scenario. God does not allow us, and especially doesn't allow his people, to be serving a different God than him. He is the one true God. And God said, if you follow me, if you obey me with all of your hearts, this is what's going to happen. You're going to live in the land. Things are going to go well for you. But if you start disobeying, if you start in your rebellious ways, if you start serving other gods, this is the consequence that I lay before you. God is still a very loving and caring God for his people. Even when we deserve to reap immediately the consequences of our sins, the Bible shows us that God sent prophet after prophet. God says, I warned you again and again and again and again and again. He sent prophets to warn people to return back to God. Tell them the exact consequences of rejecting. But still, people didn't change their ways. God is a kind God, but he is not a soft God. The Bible says in Galatians 6-7, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So just because he's all of that, Just because He's so good, it doesn't mean that we're off the hook. In kindness, God takes us firmly by hand, and He leads us into the radical, life-changing ways that He called us to live. And He warns us of the consequences of choosing differently. So if you want to know if your problems have an origin, if you want to understand if the problems that you've been facing recently have to do with disobedience, if it has to do with something that you're doing wrong, the only thing that you need to do is start looking back a little bit. Has been God warning you? Has been God putting people in your life telling you, wait a minute, maybe that decision is not a good decision. Maybe the way that you're living is not the way that you should be making those decisions. Has been God trying to gently guide you into his ways and making you go into the path that he wanted for you to go? Or have you been stubborn? And now you're reaping, simply reaping the consequences of your choices. And maybe, just maybe, you will see that maybe God has been with you like he was with Israel. He was sending warnings, but we were just ignoring. So it's important for us to understand How are we following God and listening and obeying to him? The story continues in verse 3. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure that they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belshazzar, Ananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, Azariah was called Abednego. So why did the king do this? And this is something that is not common to this time of history that we're living. But back then, large empires would do this. They would, uh, and this was actually a very intelligent strategy, not just to conquer the land, but in order to keep the power over those lands. So they would destroy the towns and the cities, they would kill the strongest men, they would leave the poor behind, and they would relocate. All the women and children and all the, the people that weren't a threat to a foreign land, their goal was to force the conquered people to assimilate a new culture, their own culture. As we look in scripture, so their goal was for Daniel and these men for them to learn a new language, to know to learn new science, to know new things, to be acculturated in the customs of Babylon, Israel. They followed the one true God. This was not the case of the Babylonians. So Israel was now at risk of going through the same same thing of forgetting about their God, forgetting about the promises of God, forgetting about their calling, forgetting about their traditions. The king ordered for royal, noble, bright, good-looking young men as so every single woman ever is looking, right? That's good criteria. He wanted these men to join him in the palace, to be intensely trained for three years in the culture and customs of Babylon. They would start a new life in Babylon. And new life can be exciting. A new life can be a great thing, and if there was a place to start a new life, Babylon was a great place to start a life. Pastor Ruben, why do you say that? Jerusalem was the place to be. Babylon was actually a very interesting city if you look into history. From the 18th to the 6th century before Christ, this was the place to be. It was an extremely impressive civilization. It was one of the very first urban civilizations. It was a luxurious city. They were world leaders in architecture, music, science, law, medicine, astronomy, engineering. How many of you have heard about the Hanging Gardens of Babylon? Consider it one of the seven world wonders of back then. We wish that we could see that. It was fascinating. It was beautiful. Well, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, they all saw it. And it was wonderful. And not just that, it was such an advanced city for, for the time, but the city was famed for promoting a lifestyle centered in pleasure. There was entertaining and pleasure to satisfy all tastes. Now, these young men, we're offered, right now, the best the world had to offer. Not only they weren't killed during the conquest of Jerusalem, that is a plus, thankfully they survived, but in modern terms, they were given business class pay- plane tickets to go to Babylon. When they arrived in Babylon, they checked in at the Ritz Hotel. They took off their clothes. They were given Gucci, Dior, and Chanel garments. If that was not enough, they were immediately enrolled in Harvard University. And when they were hungry, they would always eat in Noma restaurants. Now, this required some digging. I went online, and I said, what is the best restaurant in the world? Well, if you want to know, it's called Noma. It's in Copenhagen, Denmark. Apparently, it's such a—it's the best place. I don't know. I imagine it's very expensive. But imagine that we've learned something new today. <laughs> now you, we all need to go to Denmark. This is the lifestyle that these young men were offered. Being conquered, maybe wasn't exactly the absolute disaster that was awaiting them pain aside because it was traumatizing and they, i believe they lost family members they lost a lot of people and it was so hard to lose the land where you grew up the land you were born but putting that aside this could actually be the best thing that could have happened to them The only thing that they had to do to be happy, to enjoy everything that was being offered to them was forgetting about the past, was forgetting about God, forgetting about the Lion of Judah that allowed their city to be destroyed. And one of the strongest proofs was in their New Babylonian names, the Jewish names would forever be a reminder for these four young men that they would serve, they were serving the one true God. So this was instrumental, and it was such an attempt for them to forget about God once and for all. Let's go into the names again. Daniel means the Lord is my judge. And they could change his name to Belshazzar, means our gods protect the king. And Ananias means beloved by the Lord. They changed his name to Shadrach, illuminated by sun god. Mishael, who is like the Lord? They changed his name to Meshach, who is like Shak, one of the gods of that time. Azariah, the Lord, is my help. Actually, changed his name, Abednego, servant of Nego, another god of Babylon. The purpose of these foods, these names, of this education was simple. It was an effort at total indoctrination. The goal of making these young, bright Jewish men to leave behind their Hebrew God. Nebuchadnezzar wanted to communicate to these young men, you have to look at me for everything. Forget about God. He disappointed you. Things didn't work out. You did your best and look at what your God made you go through. But listen to this. And here is where the book gives a very important spin and why this book takes this man's name. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. The Bible says, But Daniel determined in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's stable. But Daniel determined in his heart. It means Daniel resolved. Daniel told his heart what to feel. Daniel determined, and this, is, this shows us a conversation that happened between Daniel's line and Daniel's heart. Daniel determined in his heart. He told his heart how he should feel about those circumstances. And we need to do that as well. Daniel knew that he could not control his circumstances. At that moment, Daniel could not change the surroundings. He could not change and rewrite history. But he knew that he had a say about his own heart before God. We oftentimes let our hearts drift away according to the circumstances that we live. But Daniel, in the power of God, he put his house in order by putting his heart in order. He was in a situation that required clarity of mind. And he didn't spend too much time feeling sorry about himself, or pointing fingers at God, or pointing fingers at his enemies, or pointing pointing fingers at the rest of the people of Israel for disobeying God. For everything they've done to him or his family. It's not, I've heard this today, it's not a problem to visit Pity City, but you do not move in there. We praise God in the streams of abundance as we sang, but we also praise and serve God in the dryness of the desert. And for Daniel, it was very clear that something needed a change in his heart. His heart was in danger according to those circumstances, so he needed to determine something in his heart. Every mature decision starts with a mature heart. Not one person that you see in your life making a good mature decision is able to do so if their heart is not led into maturity. And what did he decide? That he would not defile himself. It means he would not pollute himself. He would not bring dishonor to himself. And this would happen for at least two reasons. First, the ingredients and the preparation didn't meet the law of God. God was very strict. And good reason for that. On the foods that his people should eat and the foods that they shouldn't eat. And the way to prepare them. So in the foreign land serving different gods, of course, they wouldn't follow those protocols. And second, it was very likely that all the food had been sacrificed to idols. Daniel knew if he accepted that, he would make himself unclean before God with that food and wine. So Daniel didn't look at the food. "Mm, It's not very... Very pleasing. He didn't go into Noma restaurant, the best restaurant of the world. He looked at the plate as, eh, this is not really my taste. I'm going to pass it on. Thank you. I'm going to go there to McDonald's or something. No. This was the very best food, the very best quality, the very best experience that one could have. But Daniel knew this was not pleasing to God. It would be pleasing to his flesh. It would have been such a good experience. No, Almost no one else would say no to that. But Daniel knew, God is not in this. It was a spiritual matter. And it was a matter of obedience. I find it so interesting. Daniel did not object to the name that was given to him. We don't see Daniel. No, I don't. I refuse to be called that name. You know why? Because Daniel knew who he was. It doesn't matter what other people call you, it doesn't change who you are. He knew in his heart who was the God that he was serving. Daniel did not object to the Babylonian education. No, I, I refuse to be taught those different things. I refuse to even listen to things that offend the heart of God. Well, you want to teach me something? Okay, I'll listen. I know what I believe. It's not going to change my mind. My goal is to serve the one true God. I've made up my mind. I can, I can learn. I can listen. But I've made up my mind. But Daniel did object to the food. Because eating was a direct act of disobedience to God's word. I've grown to, lo- to love Daniel so much just by studying this week. Daniel was living in complicated circumstances, such complicated circumstances, but he refused to allow sin in his life. And that is not something that all of us do all the time. When circumstances become hard, we in into sin. We justify our behavior. We act as maybe what God is saying is not applicable to me anymore. This was not the case of Daniel. He was a man of extreme character, determined to remain faithful to God and honor him with his life in spite of any temptation. I see, I can imagine and try to imagine myself in Daniel's shoes. Man, the world is being offered to you and you're making such a complicated problem, because of the best dish of the world, because of the best food that you can ever eat. Daniel understood the heart of God. It's not easy to be such under such intense temptation. It wasn't just that Daniel could afford to reject the, the food of the king, he couldn't. Rejecting the menu was rejecting the king. And if this king destroyed the temple of Jerusalem and destroyed the city, imagine what he does. Do you think that he likes when people disobey him? He's being offered the world. And apparently Daniel starts nitpicking, actually that food. I don't want it. Would that fall well into the king's heart and mind? this guy to say anything to demand anything from me it would have been easy to compromise it would have been easy for Daniel to think that God let them down allowing them to go through such traumatic experience through so much pain to see death all around them carried into Babylon Why should we risk our necks for God? Why should we care about anything that God has to say? This God that we serve doesn't even have a temple anymore. Daniel remained remained committed to obedience. Even if God didn't fulfill their expectations about everything that their lives were going to be. I don't know exactly what is the enemy and the world tempting you right now to go against the will of God. But are you allowing your hard circumstances to make you compromise on your faithfulness to God? Satan knows how to tempt the believer. And he uses a similar strategy against us today that he used with Daniel. He wants us to identify us with the world. He wants to feed us what the world has to offer. He wants to educate us in the ways of this world. Our lives would just be and look so much easier if we did the things same as everyone else. Oh, Reuben, but you don't know what I'm going through. right now. You don't know my circumstances. You don't know what I'm going through. To say those things and I don't know but the Word of God says the following in first Corinthians the temptations in your life are no different from what others are experiencing what you and I we go through are no different than what everyone else is going through but listen and God is what God is what? God is what? Faithful. Faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than what you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. So the Bible is clear. We all face the same temptations. And God will always show us a way out. I have to believe it. It's hard to see how this applies into my life, and into my circumstances, into my hardships, into my temptations, but this is what the Word of God says. And if I sit with you and if I listen to your problems, if I listen to the challenges and the temptations that you go through, maybe I cannot even imagine what. how is God going to deliver you from making the wrong choice. Do not fall into that trap. But we point to the Word of God because the Word of God says, God is faithful. He will do it. I don't know how. I don't know the timing. I don't know what you and I have to endure as we wait. But the Bible says that God is faithful. There is no reason and will ever be reason for you and I to fall away from what is the will of God for our life. There is no good reason for us to give in to sin. And like Daniel, we have a choice to make. So now let's see what happens next. Verse 8. Daniel asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel... I am afraid of my lord the king, of course, who wouldn't be, right? Who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young man your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance to what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. So Daniel not only thought, but he acted. The only way to honor God is to act. Now, Daniel made a big deal over a little thing, but this is the only way to honor God. The only way to honor God is to be faithful to God, even in the little things. Daniel understood that his relationship with God wasn't just about the big decisions. It was also about the small decisions. It was about the food that he ate. It was about how he dealt with other people His relationship with God touched every single area of his life, including what he ate. This chief official showed favor and compassion towards Daniel. We don't know exactly what this means, what was the level of friendship that developed, but one thing we know, God will always put the right people in your life when you try to do the right thing. God will place the right people in your life. If you're in doubt in what you need to do, I'm sure that God will send people just like he did to Daniel. People that will help you create that way out that God has in store for you. So we have to pray for that. And you need to trust that we have are serving the same God. Because a lot of your friends, a lot of your relatives will ask you, why do you bring God into this? Why do you bring religion again into this? This is your life. You need to do what is better for you. You need to do what feels better for you. Other people will try to instill fear. Why are you trying to do that? You're only going to raise problems. You're going to create conflict. This is not going to end well for you. So we need to ask God for people that will lift us up. We need to ask God for people that will help us live in obedience to God. I'm grateful that we're church, the body of Christ we are surrounded by people that want to follow God and we want to help you live the will of God for your life surround yourself with people that speak the will speak the word of God over your life the Bible says in verse 15 at the end of the 10 days Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of dreams and visions. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, but no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. When Daniel and his friends insisted that they would only look to God, it made God look to them. And it made God look after them they not only were healthier, better nourished, but God gave them supernatural wisdom and ability so much that they were ten times more impressive than anyone else. My friends, when we are faithful to God, God is faithful to us. Am I alone here this evening? When we are faithful to God, God is faithful to us. Have no doubt about that. I don't know if you consider yourself with natural abilities like these four young men, that you are good looking, that you're bright, that you are so intelligent, that you're chosen, you've been called into the kingdom of God because of everything that you are. That God has chosen us to be his children because we are all of this and that. No, it wasn't about that. We were chosen by God even if we didn't have anything to offer to God. And actually we don't. But we were not chosen by God, our importance is not because of what we bring into King Nebuchadnezzar, Our importance is because of what God is putting inside of our lives as children of Him. They were picked by their natural abilities, but they stood out because of the anointing of the Lord over their lives. God didn't call us to shine bright because of our natural abilities. God wants us to shine bright because of what God is putting inside of us. It's not about what God wants just to do through you. It's mostly about what God wants to do in you. And God is very clear that he has plans and purposes that he wants to invite you to step into. We spend so much time focusing on the ordinary. We spend so much time thinking about things of this world when God is calling and planning you a life that is about the extraordinary, that is about the things that he wants to do through your life. And when you are faithful to him, he is going to be faithful to you. When you honor him, God is going to honor you. God lifts up those who humble themselves to him. Like Daniel, we might be living in a strange and a very godless land. But God is still calling us to live for His glory. Listen to Isaiah chapter 55. And this is not for just the people back then that were living at the same time as Isaiah. This word is for you from the Lord. Can you put yourself in the you in this passage? For my thoughts, says the Lord, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. The rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there without giving water to the earth. This makes plants grow on the earth and give seeds to the planter and bread to the eater. So my word, God is saying to us this evening, so my word which goes from my mouth will not return to me empty. It will do what I want it to do. And will carry out my plan well. This is what the Lord is speaking to you and I this evening. You and I, we haven't been thinking the thoughts of God. I don't know exactly what you've been thinking. I don't know how are you processing your life and the decisions that you're making. Then maybe and very likely many of us here, God is here to tell us. You have not been thinking the way that I've been thinking about you. Your ways and the ways that you see your life going are not the ways that I've been planning for you. And instead of this giving us and putting us in a place of despair, because we don't know what are the ways of the Lord. We don't know the things that he is planning. We just know that we are confused. We just know that we don't see a way out. We just see that life is already so hard. Why is God putting me in a much harder situation? than I just want to live my life. I just want the outcome that is best for me. That's not the reason that you and I were chosen by God to be his people. God is saying the same way that the rain and the snow they come from heaven with a purpose and it will accomplish the will of God when God sends his word to us. God is faithful and he is good. His word that he speaks into our lives is able to make us live according to the plans that he's spoken over us. Our problem and our challenge and our word of warning this evening is that God wants to speak his word over us. The things that our the minds haven't thought of, the thoughts that didn't come from our hearts and into our minds are the things that God has prepared for those who love us. God is not calling you to be living the ordinary. God wants you to stop thinking about your life the way that you've been thinking. And start thinking that you have a great God. That you love and you serve like Daniel. That even in the midst of the hardest of circumstances, his priority was to listen to his will, obey him no matter what. And see the fulfillment of the plans and the purposes that He has. for you. And maybe in the circumstances that you're living, you don't know exactly what to do. But you know something? We already have the Word of God. And I put the, the Bible in my back. This was the moment that I was going to take the Bible and show it to you. I have it in my phone. I have it in my Have the Word of God with you. If you want to know the way that you should live, go into the Word of God. Seek the heart of God to know from the Lord what you need to do, how you need to live in obedience to Him. If the challenges and the circumstances are hard or foreign, we believe that God is faithful. The Word of God says He will not allow you to be tempted more than you can endure alongside the temptation, he will give you the way out. He will, himself, will show you the way that you should live. That in this godless generation, in this hard circumstances that you and I are living, God has called us to shine bright like stars in the middle of the night. That we will shine with God's goodness, with his faith, These men were just four men. How many were there in the palace? How many were trained? Alongside Daniel and his friends? We don't know. We don't know if it was ten. We don't know if it was a hundred. We don't know if it was two hundred. There were four. Four only. And said, you know what? This is not okay. I don't want to live my life that way. I want to live my life God's way. And when they've heard the word of the Lord, by the power of God, God gave them the ability to endure. And they were ten times more blessed. Ten times more used. Ten times their lives shone with even more glory. Because when we're faithful to God, He's faithful to us. God is calling us into a time separation. God is calling us into a time to discern what is his will for our lives. So that we're not disobedient like the people of Israel. So that we're not numb. That we don't even hear what the Lord is saying to us. These are times for you and I to seek the heart of God. And God is looking for those who need to be obedient to I want to invite the worship team to come. And I want us just to be in this time, and if you can stand with me now this evening and as we enter a time of prayer and as we enter this time to worship the Lord. And I don't know how this message has spoken into your heart and what are the circumstances specifically that you're undergoing temptation, but even even if you've fallen trapped into sin. Even if right now you're reaping the consequences of bad decisions in your life. God is a good God. And again and again and again, he will call you with words of love into repentance. And he's willing to forgive sin and he's willing to change everything because of you. But it's not just a time to try to avoid sin. It is a time to listen from the Lord God. How do you want to use me? What are the plans and the purposes that you have for my life? I was telling to someone, the beginning of this service, you are a chosen vessel for the Lord. You're not just someone that God saved to spend eternity with Him in heaven. You are a chosen vessel to be filled with the glory of God, with the supernatural abilities of the Lord, with the anointing of God to be useful to Him to shine bright for Him, for Him to use in ways that you cannot even understand right now. But those are the things that God wants to reveal to you by His Spirit. So take this time to repent. Take this time to pray. Take this time to seek the heart of God so that you and I may be found clean before Not defiled, not polluted, but ready to be used by you. This is what the song we're going to sing is going to talk about. May the Lord refine our hearts, prepare us to what's going to happen next. I don't know what are the plans God has in store for you. I don't know what's going to happen next. Regardless of your circumstances, God wants to do something great God wants to glorify His name through you. So seek Him right now with everything that you have. Believe in the promises that He has to reveal to you this evening. And He's going to be faithful to you. Let's seek the heart of God together.